Heavenly Father, I come before you, Lord, and I praise you and thank you, Lord God, because you are Jehovah Jireh, Lord. You are our provider, Lord. You are faithful, Lord God, to meet our needs, Lord. And today, Lord God, I, I pray, Lord God, if there's anybody that has a need today, Lord God, that you would just remind them, Lord, of your faithfulness, Lord, that they would trust in you, put their eyes on you, knowing that you will carry them through, Lord. I praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Father, you're so good, Jesus. You're so faithful, God. Amen. How many of you guys like to dance? Who likes to dance? Nobody likes to dance on this side. I see a lot of young people. Julian, I want you to come up here. I want you to just lead the way. I want, we're going to dance before the Lord this morning. Come on, if you guys know you can dance and you want to dance before the Lord, come on, make your way up to the altar. Come on. Pittman's coming up. Come on. I know Pittman's got some moves. And man, this morning, we're going to dance before the Lord. The Bible tells us that King David, a king, was able to dance before the Lord, unafraid, unashamed before Jesus, because that's how much he loved him. And this morning, we're going to do just that. Come on. Put your hands together. Jesus, deep cries out, say, deep cries out, deep cries out to 
he goes. If he goes to the left, then we go to the left. If he goes to the right, then we go to the right. We're gonna jump, 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 jump in the river. Jump, 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 everybody. If he goes to, come on, go to the left. If he goes to the right, we're gonna dance. We're gonna dance, 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 dance in the river. Dance, 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 everybody. If he goes to the left, then we go. Come on, to the left. To the right, we're gonna shout. We're gonna shout, 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 shout in the river. Shout, shout. Come on, deep cries out. And deep cries out. To deep cries out. To deep cries out. To deep cries out. To we cry out. To we cry out. To you, Jesus. One more time, say deep cries out. To deep cries out. To deep cries out. To deep cries out. To we cry out. To we cry out. A shout of praise this morning. We worship you, Jesus. We cry out to you, Jesus. You are good, God. You fill us up to overflowing, God. We're so filled with your joy this morning, God. We can't keep it in, God. We want to dance before you. We want to shout before you. We want to sing our song before you, God. God, we are filled with thanksgiving, Jesus. Sing. to you 
If you know the Lord's been good to you, come on and dance, dance. Come on, if that's you, say it again. If you know the Lord's been good, come on, I want to see you dance. If you know the Lord's been good, he's been so good to you. Yeah, the Lord's been good to you. Come on and dance, dance, dance. If you know the Lord, say. If you know the Lord's been good to you, he's been so good. If you know the Lord's been good to you, if you know the Lord's been. To you, come on and dance, dance, sing oh, 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 Jesus, you've been so good, God. Sing oh, 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 no party like a Holy Ghost party, cause a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Ain't no party like all over this room. Put your hands up and say, Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party, cause a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party, cause a Holy Ghost. Tell your neighbor, say, Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party, cause a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party, cause a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party, cause a Holy Ghost party don't stop. Ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party. One more time, ain't no party. Ain't no party like the Holy Ghost party, cause the Holy Ghost party don't stop. Ain't no party like the Holy Ghost party, cause the Holy Ghost party don't stop. Come on, lift up a shout of praise. Oh, 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 Lord, be good to you. 
worship you. Come on, can you lift up your voice in him this morning? And say, God, there's no one like you. I'm not going to worship any idols, God. I'm not going to bow my, my head to any other thing. God, I'm going to worship you, Jesus. There's no one in your place, God. You are first in my life, Jesus. Can you tell him with your voice this morning? Close your eyes right now all over this place. I want you to raise your hands. Come on, you're standing on holy ground this morning. And what does that mean? That means that God himself is here in this place. Come on, you may not believe it right now, but it's true. Come on, the Bible says when two or more are gathered in his name, he is in our midst. And this God, he's mighty. This God that we're singing to, he is glorious. He is holy. He is worthy. Come on, there's angels right now worshiping him 24 hours a day. And whether or not you choose to worship him, they're still going to worship him because he's worthy. We have a choice this morning to say, you're my God. We have a choice this morning to walk away. And he's pleading with you this morning. He's saying, come. He's saying, come, even though he's holy, even though he's perfect, even though there's angels around him worshiping hours and hours a day, he's still calling you to come to worship him because he loves you. He wants a relationship with you, and he's mighty to save this morning. Come on, if you want to meet this God, if you want to meet with him this morning in this place, all you got to do is lift up your hands as a sign of surrender and say, God, I'm here, and all I want is you. Come on, is that your heart this morning? God, I'm here, and all I want is you. Come on, tell him that in your own words if you mean that. If you mean that, he's going to meet you right now, right now, right now, where you are standing, where you are kneeling, where you are crying. He's going to meet you. Come on, say it again. Say, Jesus, I am here, and all I want is you. sanctuary we open up this time hallelujah
always your call to come to Jesus. Come on, he's calling on you. Come on, if that's you, respond to him. Come on, we're coming to you, Jesus. We receive you, Lord, this morning. We welcome you into our hearts, God. Jesus, we welcome you in. We welcome you in, Jesus. You are the Son of God, and we welcome you in. We welcome you in, Jesus. Say the mountains shake before you, Jesus. The mountains shake before you. The demons run and flee. At the mention, Come on, at the mention of your, of your name, name, Jesus. Sing it out, there is. There is no power in hell or any who can stand before the morning God we bow down to you our king of kings creator of the heavens and of the earth 
Father, we honor you this morning. It's because of you that you're, we're here. Because of Jesus' great mercy and great gift unto us. Giving us his life as a sacrifice for our sins. We worship you. There is no God like you. There is no God like you. One that would care for his creation so much as to give his life for us. We worship you. Come on. Come on. Set your eyes on Jesus. Set your eyes on the author and the finisher of your faith. See, I'm going to ask you right now, if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, to just stir up the gift inside of you. I want you to pray. I don't want you to be ashamed. I want you to pray. I want you to speak in tongues. And I want you to set your heart on Jesus. Oh, Rabba Coriander, Beasia Riandaraba Coriandarabasita, Rabba Coriandarabase. Oh, Rabba Coriandarabasita, Rabba Coriandarabasita, Rabba Coriandarabase alive. Fire of God, Ita Rabba Coriandarabase. Oh, Rabba Coriandarabasita, Rabba Coriandarabase. We serve an all-powerful God. We serve an all-present God. We serve an all-knowing God. Fire, fire. God is an all-consuming fire. Have all of us, Lord. Consume every bit of us, dear God. Burn away the dross. Burn away everything and anything that does not belong, God. Father, you want a, a bride that is clean without wrinkle or blemish. Burn away what does not belong in your bride, God. He is holy. He is holy. He is holy. And he's calling us to be just like him. He's calling us to, to be a radiance, an exact representation of who he is. That's what Jesus has called us to be. It's what he was. It's what he is here in this, in this earth when he walked this earth. He represented God, the Father. It's what we are to do here. So if there's any heart in this room today that is not right or where you need to be with the Lord, just give it to him right now. Just repent of your ways. His righteousness, his righteousness is ready to just clothe you and cover you. His righteousness, his mercy, hallelujah, Señor. Hallelujah, Señor. Hallelujah, Señor. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Oh, why don't you give him some praise right now? Come on. God, we thank you that you are slow to anger, that you're abounding in love, dear God, and you're patient with your children. I'll do something new this morning in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Why don't you guys praise him one more time? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you make your way back to your seat. We're going to prepare.
We're going to prepare right now to take communion. I would like to take this time to dismiss the children. If there's any in the room, your teachers are waiting for you. My name is Pastor Griselda. Thank you so much for being here with us this morning. Every first Sunday of the month, we want to take time to remember what Jesus did for us on that cross, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And as the ushers go ahead and pass out the elements, why don't you take one? And, and we're going to read the scripture in 1 John 2. The Bible tells us that as we take communion, we are not to take it in an unworthy manner, that we are to do it out of reverence and remembrance of what Jesus did for us. And in a way that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that would be in an unworthy manner, right? We need to know Jesus Christ. And today I want to let you know, we know that we have all been born as sinners. Each and every one of us, we have fallen short of God's glory. And you know what? We can kick and scream and we can say it's unfair and, and why would I be born in, in a world where it's all, I'm already set up for failure? But you can kick and scream all day long, all the way to the gates of hell. Or you can choose the path that Jesus made for you. He made a way out. He paid the punishment for the sins that we have committed against this holy God. And so the scripture that I want to share with you this morning, it's found in 1 John 2. It says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Somebody say advocate. What's his name? It's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. It's not a righteousness found in ourselves. It's a righteousness found in Jesus Christ. Jesus being God, taking on flesh, coming into this world to pay a punishment that he did not deserve. He paid a debt that he did not owe. And he took our place on that cross. And so this morning, as, as we talk about sin, yes, we've all fallen short. But let me tell you, God loves you even though you are a sinner, even though I am a, I'm a sinner. When I was in my sin, God loved me. And I came to a church service just like this. And God touched my heart, and I realized that I was not right without him. This morning, if you do not know Jesus, I beckon you to come to the cross, to call out to Jesus, to ask him for the forgiveness of your sins. I think it's so powerful that we come here every Sunday morning and we preach the gospel just so clear. Come to Jesus, repent. And it's powerful because I wonder how many people ignore the call. And the Bible tells us that, that, that in hell it's a place of torment and there's no peace. Why? Because there is no God. God is not there. God is the one who is able to give us peace and love and all the goodness that we receive here on this earth. But in hell, it's the absence of God, the complete opposite. And you will remember moments like this where you heard someone telling you there is forgiveness at the cross of Jesus. Come to Christ. Come to Christ because of his great love this morning is beckoning you. Once again, he says he is the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen. And as we have the time of fellowship, we will have some ushers, some, uh, an elder or a deacon up here ready to pray with you. 
If that is you, if you know God is working on your heart, I just ask you, come and receive prayer. We have Lauren and Salvador that will be up there with you. And everybody else, please stand to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to take the communion. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're saying, I love him. I have been born again. Right now, as we take this communion, we take the bread and we take the wine representing Jesus' body and blood. I want you to just have a heart of thanksgiving, to slow down and just to, to thank him for what he did. We will never know how much it cost to have our sins taken up on that cross. And let's just go ahead and take the bread. Let's take communion together. take the bread right here representing Jesus' body that was broken that was pierced for our transgressions Lord we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us enduring the shame enduring it for each and every person, for our sins and the sins of the whole world. Father, we thank you that you willingly gave yourself for us. Pray that we would never forget that, dear God. We do this today in remembrance of you. Go ahead and take the bread. we take the, the grape juice representing Jesus' blood that was shed for us, representing the new covenant that we no longer have to work for our salvation, but we put our faith in Jesus' sacrifice on that cross. Lord, we thank you, dear God, that all we have to do is trust in you, trust in our Father, trust in the sacrifice that you made for us. We thank you that you call us, that you beckon us, and it's through this blood that we are covered, dear God. We thank you that you are that perfect sacrifice that takes away the sins of the world. Go ahead and take the juice. that this would never get old to us. You told us to do this, to do communion in remembrance of you, dear God, to remember your great love for us, your great sacrifice for us. Father, we pray that in this room, dear God, that those who are far from you, maybe even just this morning, today would draw closer to you, would receive the perfect gift of salvation found in you. And every other brother and sister in this room that's saved, dear God, we thank you for our salvation. We thank you that there's a place in your kingdom, dear God, that this life is just momentary, but there is an eternity forever with you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to just, come on, just give you a, few, a moment right now, just between you and the Lord as we sing this song. Let's sing a chorus right now. I want you to meditate just what just happened right now. We don't want to move past it too fast. 
We just want to meditate on what God has done for us and just focus on your relationship between you and the Lord. dear God. Father, we know you didn't come just to make bad people good, but you came to make dead people live, dear God. We are found alive in you. We found true life in you, true purpose and true meaning. And for that, we give you praise, dear God, and adoration. For that, we lay down our lives for you, dear God, and we ask you to have your way. You paid our debt, dear God, and we are forever grateful. Hallelujah. Come on, just praise them one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Señor. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God is good. Right now, we're going to take a few moments before we have our time of fellowship to recite our confession of faith. This is our biblical worldview. These are statements we confess every single week, and we believe they're absolute truths found in the Word of God. We see the world through, the, through these statements, and we're going to recite this together. And I want some boldness in this room, all right? I want you to shout it out. I want you to say it from your gut, and I want the, the hell to hear you, all right? I want the gates of hell to shake as they hear you declare this, because this is powerful, and it's truth. Somebody say truth. All right, on the count of three, one, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Why don't you take some moments right now to greet your neighbor, make a new friend. If you need prayer, we have our uh, Lauren and Salvador here for you.
welcome, welcome. Give your neighbor a high five as you make your way back to your seats this morning. It's so good to see everybody here. Welcome to Metro Praise International. We are so honored that you came to join us today for our service. If we have any first-time visitors here, you can fill out this brochure. If you didn't receive one at the door when you walked in, our ushers will give one to you if you just raise your hand in the air. Any first-time visitors here with us today, never been here before, just raise your hand. Welcome. I know there's a lot. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Just fill out the bottom uh, perforated card and just put in the drop box. We'll connect with you throughout the week. Our two main services here at Metro Praise International are every Sunday at 10 o'clock. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. Those are for our teenagers, 11 to 18 years old. If you know anybody that's from that age group, bring them on by or let them know that we are here. We're rocking it out for Jesus. Amen. And today is the day. Who's excited for some grub? Our All Nations Dinner, it is going to be awesome. You could already see the food as you come in, the beautiful flags. We just love the nations that we cannot taste. We cannot wait to taste the yummy food from your peoples, okay, from your nation. So who came representing with their dish? Make some noise. Yes. I brought the Greek food, and my husband is representing Poland today. So Italy got left out. Anybody bring some Italian food? Because I wasn't able to do it today. Italy, sorry, Italy. Italians just didn't show up correct. Somebody got to make masacholi. Somebody has to go run home and make some masacholi right now because I could not do it. Anyways, we're going to have a great time. At this time, we're actually going to, uh, well, we'll do the, the life groups in just a second, but I'm going to go through the vision. So our vision here is loving God and loving people. The two greatest commandments Jesus said for us to live by. And our discipleship strategy is threefold, connect, mentor, and send. And the first way we want to connect you to Jesus, connect you through our to, to, to the church, is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. And at this time, we want all of the leaders to come on up. If we could put that slide so they could see the order. Right here is going to be King's Kids. And then we're going to line our way right across here. So we got King's Kids, the Bible Studies. The evangelism. So make some noise. Come on, give it up for your leaders. You are hanging out with them week after week. Come on up. Just follow the line. And we're going to give them some time to brag about their life group and get you really pumped up and excited to go to their house or meet here and be a part of their life. So right here, we're going to start with Ashley. Hi, my name is Ashley. Every Wednesday night, we have King's Kids from ages 10 down to infant. We want to invite you guys out. You can stay with your kids, or you can just drop them off and have your time for yourself. Um, we also have this month, October, we're having a harvest party. We're really excited about that. At the end of the month, we've been having a ton of visitors. We're, we will be really glad to have you. You can also check out our Facebook page at MPI Children's Ministries. Looking forward to seeing you. Amen. Um, my wife and I, we're the Govea Bible Study. We meet every single Friday. Amen. Thank you all for, thank you for those that have been showing up every Friday. We meet every single Friday at 7 p.m. 
and uh, we evangelize beforehand. We get a good time of worship and in the word and a good time of fellowship. It's a good time to just get intimate with one another, share each other's heart and God's word with one another. We are, you know, uh, children friendly, so we have child care. So please, you know, don't feel like you can't bring your children, bring them by. Like us on Facebook, look us up, Bovina's Bible Study. Man, we would love to have you guys come. We love y'all. It's almost always much better when more people come and more visitors come. Amen. So, like us on Facebook. Amen. Uh, uh, Pastor Jared here. Uh, I lead another home Bible study with my wife Susie, and uh, she's actually out. Uh, she's with our newborn, baby Isaac. And um, you, you can you can get the sneak preview this Friday if you come by, because I know all the ladies have been wanting to hold them and hug him and all that. And we're up, we're up near Skokie. We're in Chicago, but we're near like the the Buffalo Wild Wings, B Dubs, the movie theater. I say that because some of you are already used to going that way on Fridays anyway. So why don't you come by our house? We just have a great time, warm welcome, uh, pretty much fellowshipping and Bible study, similar to what the Govays do, but with our own little flavor. Okay. And this is uh, Rudy. Yes, I am Rudy. Um, um, we uh, every Saturday at 5 p.m. we evangelize, and that's just basically street witnessing. It's a lot of fun. We uh, tell people about Jesus Christ. We tell them about the love of Christ, and we see lives change before our eyes. So if you ever, if you never got your feet wet in that area, it's a it's a great time to get started with a group of an awesome team. I serve with this man of God, and yeah, just come out Saturdays at 5 p.m. and experience it. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is Rachel. I want to introduce you guys to the worship team life group. How many of you guys love worshiping Jesus? Come on, so do I. And this life group, this is open for 201 deacons and elders. Man, serve Jesus in that gifting. If you guys feel like you can sing, um, worship us, playing an instrument, even serve in the sound and lighting ministry, those are all parts of worship. We would love for you guys to come out and join with us to make this place an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit comes and rocks us out. Okay, so 201 is we meet twice a month. Okay, so it's really quick. We have a time of word and we practice together and we develop our gifts together. So if you're excited about that, clap your hands and come join us. Amen. My name is Pastor Lauren and I lead the Single Moms Life Group. Hey. <laughs> we got some awesome single moms in this church, but we want the rest of the single moms to come out and join us. We had a great time this last quarter, but we are looking forward to making this our best quarter yet. Okay, we have some things planned. We have uh, mommy's night out with babysitters, so bring your children. We'll have someone that we trust watch our children when we go out. We have some evangelism outreaches planned for us, and we have a Christmas party planned. So we have all things going on this month. So let's come out, have some fun, learn about Jesus, learn to live for Jesus, even as a single mom. Amen? We meet every other Sunday, and look us up on Facebook. Single fellas, make some noise in this place. Come on. All right, we got four of them. Good job. Thank you, guys. We're going to be doing single men's once a month life group. We're going to have poker nights. We're just going to have a bunch of fun, all right? So if you're a single guy, if you've been friend-zoned for a long time, come to our life group, and we will develop you. We're going to make you a macho man. You're going to be loud. You're going to have so much swag. There's going to be so much game. You're going to be oozing game. Single men, you want to ooze some game? Come to Single Men's Life Group. We're going to meet once a month at Nini's Deli on Sundays, October 12th, November 9th, and December 14th. I love you. Check out our Facebook page. Just look up MPI Single Men's Life Group and uh, hit like, and you will get all the information. All right? 
And if you have any questions, just come see me. I love you. But this is my beautiful wife. All right. So we're starting a new life group, single ladies, not to be confused with single moms. This is for single ladies 18 and over, no children. So we're going to help you guys get on the ooze of them. <laughs> and we'll have the marriage life group over here. So we have every, I don't know, first Tuesday of the month, 7 o'clock, Woodfield Mall in the Grand Court by the elevator. And we're just going to have fun and talk. Awesome. My name is Ricky. This is my beautiful wife, Rachel. We're doing the marriage life group. Uh, we're only meeting once a month, every third Sunday at 5 p.m. my house. I live like five minutes from here. So if you are married, we want you to come out. It's a great time of fellowship, a great time to um, encourage each other, pray for each other, be accountable. Uh, uh, so just come on out. We're going to ask you, if you are married, to find a babysitter because we just want it to be the married couples to focus on your marriage. And it will be a great time. We have activities. We're going to be talking about the fruit of the spirit and how we could apply it to your marriage, to strengthen your marriage. It's going to be a great time. Amen. Uh, my name is Steve Ramos. We're doing the uh, praise God. We're doing the uh, the righteously redeemed for Elevate, right? And the elevators in here. That's what I'm talking about. We are the uh, one of the uh, one of two of the teen youth life groups. Ours is righteously redeemed. We meet every first Tuesday and third to and third Tuesday. We meet here. I pick you guys up. We take you guys to our house, and we have a good time. Basically, it's, it's getting personal with Jesus. We're on the basics right now, so we're kind of rubbing elbows and rubbing our hearts together, building up relationships. So if you guys, parents, if you do have teens from 11 on up to 18, bring them out. Bring them here. I'll pick them up from here. We'll take them home. If they don't act right, we will take care of that as well. And uh, we just want to love on Jesus from the youth on up. Amen. Come on, come on. Hello, everybody. My name is Lawrence. Um, I'm the uh, leader of the resistance, if I can get all the resistance people. All right, uh, I lead the uh, resistance life group uh, for the youth along here with uh, Stephanie. We meet up every Thursdays, first and uh, third Thursday of the month. We just get together, have a time of worship, you know, learn about God. And it was, you know, it was funny, this past Friday I was talking to uh, Alec Anthony, he's one of the uh, leaders at Elevate. I was talking to him and uh, he was telling me there that some guy by his school got shot and he saw it with his own eyes. It was like right by his window in, in front of the school. And I'm hearing that and I'm thinking to myself, you know, a lot of people in Chicago, we think that that's normal. We think shootings are normal. We think, you know, uh, teenagers and kids having sex outside of marriage and looking at pornography and being addicted to drugs. We think that's normal. But here's the thing, God wants to see this generation rise up and, and live holy, you know? He wants to see miracles, signs, and wonders be normal. So that's what the resistance is about. Uh, we uh, go out evangelizing at 5.45 p.m. if you want to come out earlier. But again, every first and third Thursday at 6 p.m. right here at the church. Amen, amen. If you guys just stay where you are, I just want to brag on them a little bit. I just want to let you guys know, if you don't already, and I'm not being bi biased, I promise, but we have the best of the best of the best of the best leaders on the planet. If you believe that, please stand up to your feet and let's give them a standing ovation. And we're praising Jesus for them, okay? So our standing ovation is not only for them, but it is for the Lord, for the labor of their hands, for the work, their sacrifice. They love you. They love you. And we want to continue to reach this city and win souls for Jesus. So let's keep on clapping as they exit the stage. Come on. Amen. Praise him. You guys can dance on your way out. All right, we are excited. Do you feel the excitement? I feel it. So we're gonna have a powerful, 
quarter of life groups. And please, if you are new, find a place to belong. And I got to give it up for those single mamas. You guys were excited. If there was a contest of who was the most excited, you guys won. You guys won. So we're going to give you a snapshot of this week's life group. So all the announcements that just went forth, this is what's happening just this week. So Tuesday, we have Righteously Redeemed, the Elevate Life Group, 11 to 18, meet here. Again, on Tuesday, we have the single ladies, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. at Woodfield. Wednesday, every week, King's Kids, infant to 11 years old, 6.30 here. Drop them off, parents, pick them up at 8 or just stay here the whole time. Two adult life groups this Friday, one at the Govea's, one at the Walker's, 18 years and up, 7 p.m., child care included. And then Saturday, evangelism, preaching the gospel on the streets. All ages meet here at 5 p.m. Who's excited about this week of life groups? All right. And then we want to mentor you. So we're going back to the slide of our discipleship strategy, connect, mentor, and send. We want to mentor you to live like Jesus. So all those leaders and many more out there that you didn't see up here are ready to take you through our 101 book. Welcome to your new life, seven steps of spiritual growth. If you want to get close to God, get plugged into the church, join the 101 with one of our leaders, then you'll graduate, get to the 201. Disciples that make disciples where we train you to be a leader. And then we want to send you out to be soul winners. And then our goal here is to have 100,000 disciples with 50 churches in Chicago and 500 around the world. If you believe that, say amen this morning. With God, all things are possible. Praise him. At this time, we're going to prepare to um, receive our tithes and offerings. But before we actually receive them, we're going to go through our discipleship giving book lesson. How many of you guys have been blessed by this book? We've been going through it every single week. It's a 52-week lesson. So if you want to turn with me to your, in your phones to givingbook.org. And it's just so much wisdom, so much insight. And what we've learned so far is basically for faithful to tithes and offerings, get our finances in order, everything will flow from that in our life. Amen? So we are on section three of stewardship. In lesson 12, if you could turn to your Bibles, please, to Romans 13.8. So givingbook.org and then your Bibles to Romans 13.8. This lesson is called Stewards Should Be Debt Free. How many of you guys want to be debt free? Come on, we're going to learn about, about that and how, why God wants us to be debt-free. The definition of stewardship is the wise management of everything God has entrusted us with. So what is in our life, we have to manage it well for his glory. Romans 13, 8, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Here are three main points from the passage of scripture that we can learn. Number one, no debt remain outstanding. Though there are times when Christians may get loans for cars, houses, and their businesses, which is good debt, they should always pay the debt on time and set the goal to pay it off completely. How many of you guys agree with that? Number two, no debt. Ideally, the Christian should pay off all their credit card debt monthly and live interest-free because their income and savings provides for everything they need. Otherwise, they may become a slave to the lender, which is considered bad debt. And that's what it says in Proverbs 22, 7. The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. And let's just think about that for a second. If Jesus came to set us free so that we wouldn't be slaves to the devil, to our sin, 
How much more do you think that he wants us to be free in every area of our life? He does not want us to become enslaved to money. The Bible teaches that the love of money is the root to all kinds of evil. And that's why we tithe. One, to be obedient to the Lord. And two, it breaks the spirit of greed off of our life. So we are not to love money. We're not to hold on to it. And we should not be enslaved to it through debt. Amen? Number three, always pay the debt of love. Instead of just focusing on paying debt, paying back debt every month, Stewards should aim to be debt-free and able to focus on paying the debt of love to their fellow man. Imagine how much charitable work God's people could do just off the interest they would save living a debt-free life. Come on. Here's a summary. Avoid bad debt. Somebody say, avoid bad debt. And pay off good debt in a responsible way. How many of you guys want to do that in your life? Let's apply this. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes 10% of your total income and offerings, anything above that. Two, be wise in how you acquire your debt for things such as your house, your car, and your business. And three, avoid bad debt in the form of high-interest credit cards so you can live a generous life of love. Come on, let's stand up to our feet this morning and let's recite our confession for our finances over our lives on the count of three. One, two, three. God has called us to be managers that are committed to stewarding whatever gifts we have received from him. We are to be wise, fruitful, faithful, trustworthy, multiplying, and shrewd stewards, living debt-free and generous lives, providing an inheritance for our children and grandchildren. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap this morning. We're going to prepare to receive our tithes and offerings. And before we do, we want to give you an update on our missions fundraising. Come on, give yourselves a hand clap and praise the Lord because he has been faithful. We have raised $15,002,4998 away from our goal. And we have all of October, all of November, and all of December to do it. How many of you guys believe that with God all things are possible? We will raise $20,000 by the end of the year to prepare our planning for our missions trip to the Philippines that will be happening in the summer of 2015. So on behalf of the church, the leadership here, we thank you, thank you, thank you for being faithful to the Lord, for giving out of the abundance of your heart, your generous heart, because when we put first his kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be given unto us, the things that we need to live here, material things that God wants to help provide for us. Amen? All right, so we believe that a tithe here is uh, 10% of your total income, and then we split the offering, which is anything above your tithe that is amount between you and the Lord, whether it goes to the missions offering and the building offering. And we want you on the envelope to just put the exact amount in each section so we can arrange the funds to go in the proper place. Let's recite this Bible verse together and prepare to pray. Acts 20, 35. The Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your blessings in our life. We thank you for prosperity, that you want to bless your children as we put you first. So I pray that you would bless the gift and the giver this morning, the faithful tither, God. I pray, Lord God, that you would pour out a blessing upon their life, that they would not have room to receive it. As we put you first, Jesus, as we seek your kingdom, 
we know that you will provide our needs, our daily needs. So we just lift up this offering. We declare, God, that it will meet our budget this month to go above and beyond, to win Chicago and the nations for you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen, amen. Come forward as you give this morning. Come on, how many ready for a hot topic? Dude, it is going to be a doozy today. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming and bringing food and bringing an appetite. I brought my famous homemade Polish nalasniki. Everybody say nalasniki. It, it's like a crepe, and I was up all night slaving over it. How many of y'all believe I did that? No, we went to the bakery. We brought it. But, but how many women or men were working last night, early this morning to bring that food? Let's give it up for those who did that. Amen. Thank you all for doing that. Oh, so good to have you here. I'm going to do my best to hold this message only to an hour and a half today, okay? So we'll be eating around 1 o'clock. Is everybody good with that? Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We'll get done around 1230, so don't worry about it. Half kid. Okay, let's, let's, let's shoot. Let's shoot for 1145. How many think I can do it? How many want to see me try to do it? Okay, I'm going to at least try to do it. Open up your Bibles with me, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. We are in a sermon series called Hot Topics, as you saw in the video. We have a few more weeks left, but we've basically gone through almost all of them thus far. You can go back online and see them. We've been taking the biggest controversial issues in our society today and addressing them by the Bible. We've addressed abortion. We've, we, we've addressed uh, things that are important to this culture, and uh, we're going to be getting into some more in the future, like two more are left, Israel and eternal punishment, talking about hell. But today's message is, is I'm like torn on this, because we've talked about immigration. How many like the one on immigration? And, and that was a little tough for me, because, you know, we got a lot of mi gente up in the house, you know, so I kind of had to walk the line as the gringo. I, did, I didn't want to like have a Laura in, in Metro Praise. So I think we did pretty good with that. How, how many Latinos think I did pretty good? Or, you know, 
Anybody here? Okay, you're all faking it now. I shouldn't even have asked you. shouldn't even have asked you. If you weren't excited on your own, I shouldn't have forced it. But I was a little, I'm still a little insecure about that message. So anyways, moving right along. But this one is the one that everybody's been waiting for, anticipating, and it's been the one that I've been the most nervous about, and that's homosexuality. It's not because uh, the subject is hard to understand from the Bible. As a matter of fact, the subject from the Bible is so crystal clear. We've talked about drugs, you know, and people are like, oh, my gosh, the Bible actually talks about that. We talked about alcohol. We talked about all that. But this one right here is that hot topic, homosexuality, that there is so much division over right now. There is so much tension. There are lines that have been drawn, and, and people are just verbally abusing each other from both sides. It's gotten involved into our politics because of same-sex marriage, and, and there's a lot of hurt and pain that's involved in this because we're not just talking about somebody's habit. We're talking about somebody's identity. And I lived in New Orleans for almost seven years, and they would have a tremendous festival there, the Decadence Fest for, for the gay community. And then we would have Mardi Gras, and then they would have a huge gay pride parade. You know, and I just, I, I just feel so much compassion for this community. As a matter of fact, one of the first places when I came to Chicago about ten years ago I started preaching at was Boys Town. And I would stand on the corner and I'd go, hey, fellas, I'm in love with a man, and his name is Jesus. And they would come over like, what's that man's name? I'd be like, Jesus. I'm kidding, but half kid once again. But I'm so serious. I would go out there and witness, and I would say, guys, fall in love with Jesus. Ladies, fall in love with Jesus. Uh, just touching stories of people that I would meet out there from that community and, and the relationships that we would have. I mean, bringing them to my house and us sharing meals together. I got to know a lot of people from that community. And as a matter of fact, one of the lesbians that I had met out there, when her uh, grandfather had died, she didn't even know a pastor. So she said, man, I met a cool pastor out there. See, look at that was a cool pastor back then about 10 years ago. Am I still rocking it now? I'm, I'm trying, okay? I, I, anyways, so she's like, I got to know a cool pastor. And she even honored me and called me up and said, will you do my grandfather's funeral? And she knew how I believed about homosexuality. She knew that I still felt it was a sin. But she honored me that way. And that's really kind of the balance I want to have today. Uh, as, as I wanted to give you a quote last week and I didn't get a chance to do it, Thomas Jefferson said this, with style and fashion, swim with the current. Everybody go swim with the current. So when it talks about our lingo, our fashion, our style, the church, we should be swimming with the current. But Thomas Jefferson said, but with your principles, stand like a rock. We swim with the current of fashion and style, and we stand like a rock on our principles. So yeah, we are a cool, hip church. We're not here to put judgment on you in style and tell women that they can't wear pants and makeup or cut their hair or, or say that rock and roll music is of the devil, you know, or now hip-hop's of the devil, you know. We're not here to get into these fashionable issues. We want to deal with the issues of the heart. And that's where I believe Jesus was at. And so uh, we want to look at homosexuality and see, is it a style thing? Is it just like, you know, because in America... We we drive on the right side of the road, and in England, they drive on what side of the road? Left. So if you're there in England, you got to drive on what side? But if you're in America, you got to drive on what side? The right. Now, is that like homosexuality? Is it just times have changed, fashion has changed, and sexuality? We just need to swim with the current? Or is the idea of homosexuality a principle 
that we stand on. Now, let's just stop right here. How many Christians still stand on principles even though you're fashionable? How many still, still stand on the principle, thou shall not murder? That's a good one. We'll start right there, right? Thou shall not murder. You're standing on that, okay? How many believe not to lie? How many are standing on that no matter how the fashion goes with that? How about this one? Parents uh, or children obeying your parents. Should we still do that, right? How about not coveting, not being jealous of what your neighbor have? Are, are we still standing on that? Well, what if I told you that God designed, home, uh, God designed sexuality for only one man and one woman in marriage? Would you be willing to stand on that, even if the current went the other way? Even if close friends and family members were hurt, not by your rudeness, but by your non-accepting of sin. See, that's the difficult place that the gay community has put us in as Christians. See, back in the day, acceptance meant I can agree to disagree, and I accept you as my friend. But that's not what acceptance means today. What acceptance means today is that you agree with me, and you promote me, and you not only just tolerate, but you accelerate me. And see, I can't do that. I can be friends with those who come from the LGBT community, lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender fully. I can accept them in this sense into my life, but I could never say to them, I accept that as a godly thing or as a Christian thing or even as God's best for them. And do you see how emotional that gets right there? I've spent time in San Francisco, spent time in New Orleans, traveled around America, and, and right now, it's literally like 50-50. It's going like, you know, more towards accepting in the sense of allowing it to be the norm. Our children are now being told in schools not to even identify with gender. It used to be standing in a boy's line or girl's line. Now it's standing in green shoes and blue shoes or, you know, di differentiating not by gender but by preferences like that. Some parents are saying, I'm letting my children decide whether or not they even want to be a boy or a girl. Books are coming out to children. You know, uh, the guy fell in love with the king and teaching and I'm just saying I can't accept that I believe that this is a free country and we need to give people the right to do those freedoms and and even if they're not Christian principles I still as an American citizen would be okay with people living a homosexual lifestyle even though I don't agree with it but this is a free nation and I believe the best thing Christians did when they came to this country is they made a secular state that said the government will not infringe into the church and the church will not infringe into the government but that each person will vote according to their conscience okay so I'm okay with people of different conscience opinions doing their thing the issue that I get into is now when we want to redefine things like marriage and make that something that my children have to be taught in school to understand that that's normal I, I can't do that that's hard for me do you guys get that now at the same token that's my issue as a pastor and it's already getting hot right now <laughs> okay uh, I usually have a bottle of water up here could I have like two right now please I need to grab a seat as well can you guys grab me one of the stools back there and then a fan, and then my favorite food back there, and I'll just eat and chill. I'm just kidding. I'm such a prima donna pastor. Pray for me. I have some friends from California, Chris and his buddy. Oh, Andrew, let's give it up for our guys from Cali. Woo! I, I said prima donna. You came back into my mind. I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding. Half kid, half kid. But anybody who knows Chris knows what I'm talking about. He preached for us before. Love him. What a great day to have a visitor here. Are you guys ready for 1 Corinthians 6, 9? Now, just look at it because I'm teasing you because I want to say this. That's what I'm dealing with. But what is the other side dealing with? 
What are are those who have bisexual, homosexual tendencies feeling? And it's all on the notes. Could we put it up there, please? And by the way, while I'm preaching, on Facebook, you can ask questions. If I didn't hit on it in my sermon, and I'll do my best to answer before we roll out and eat. Is that cool or what? Okay. But let's say this. The community that I have spent time with ministering to, the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender community, most of them are saying, I didn't choose this. I literally was born this way. When other people were going through puberty and being attracted to the opposite sex, I was being attracted to the same sex. So then they come to me with brokenness and hurt and pain, and they say, why would God make me this way and then tell me I'm in sin for being the way he made me? And then you compound onto that a generation of Christians that really didn't understand that discussion, and they became super judgmental, and to the point where you can still see today on YouTube, I was almost going to play the video here, though I've referenced it in resources, where a young man comes out to his parents about being gay, and by the end of the YouTube video, his parents are beating beating him up because of anger. Um, did anybody see that? It was such a sad, sad video. And, and really, all the comments just break my heart because everybody's saying, that's what Christians do. That's what Christians do. And I'm like, first of all, if you see the video, the Christian parent who starts beating up the kid is cussing and swearing while they're doing it. So I'm like, let's just take Christ out of that. Could we do that for a moment? Let, let's just say that's some crazy folks right there that happen to went to church every now and then. But that, that to me is not an ideal example of how a Christian should handle that kind of discussion. So, so you've got these two feelings on both sides. You've got Christians who really love God, really love his word, and are really like, this is changing things. I, can't, I, I can accept friendship, I can accept people in my life, but I can't accept all of this agenda. And then you've got people that are in the actual movement or actually affected by homosexuality or are homosexual, and they're saying, I'm hurt by you not getting behind me and supporting me this way. I'm hurt that you consider this a sin. I, I'm hurt that you're telling me I'm doing something wrong. Does everybody kind of see there's two sides to this? And there's a whole lot of hurt. And oh my God. Did you just do that for me? That is the man. Everybody was like, should we put on the heat this morning because it was like 60 degrees in here? I was like, no, the body heat is coming right here. And now I am like really hot and the food's back there. We got to get getting hot as well. It's like a little beautiful thing. I'm just going to crank this down. Look at your neighbor and say, isn't God good? Thank you. Let's look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Here's a passage of the Bible that I think says it very well, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Okay. How many believe according to the Bible? Because I have to be, as a pastor, answer this question according to the Bible. Okay. So I'm not going to answer this according to Oprah Winfrey. Does everybody get that? So if we're in church today and we're like, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Where should I go for my answer? The Bible. Now, when I go to the Bible, I, I just it almost didn't matter where I start. If I just open up the Bible and boom, pick a spot, there's going to probably be some concept in there that resembles this. God likes good, doesn't like bad. Those who choose bad get punished. Those who choose good get rewarded. How many think, like, no matter where you started in the Bible, like, you'd probably get that concept, right? Don't do bad. Do good. God will bless the good, not the bad, Right? What is Daniel in the lion's den? People doing bad things, somebody doing good, right? What is David versus Goliath? Good versus evil. That, that, that whole concept is here. So Paul is saying, okay, don't you know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? 2,000 years ago, here's the foundation. Hey, guys, don't you know there's a moral code? 
And when you break that moral code, you're not getting into the kingdom of God. How many want to go to the kingdom of God? Okay, I'm not talking about Great America. I'm not talking about Disney. How many want to go to the kingdom of God? Now, once again, if you're sitting here today going, I don't even believe there's a kingdom of God. I think there's a better chance of there being a tooth fairy than there is a God. Well, then we just got to have a whole other conversation. I cannot talk to an atheist and answer all their questions while I'm trying to base my presupposition on there is a God. Now, we have done sermon series where we back up all of our information to why we even believe there's a God. The first cause, the design of the universe, all of these things, the human conscience. But if you start in this book, of, uh, here in this passage, Paul is saying, don't you know wrongdoers won't inherit the kingdom of God? So there's a God, there's a moral code, you do it wrong, you're not getting in. Now, look at the very next thing he says. Do not be, boom. See, there's a warning right there. Don't you know wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? But don't be deceived. See, don't be deceived. What kind of deception could possibly follow or or be a part of that statement preceding it? What kind of deception would there be? Deception that would say you can do wrong things and inherit the kingdom of God. Right? It, It says wrongdoers don't inherit the kingdom of God don't be deceived what is he saying don't be deceived about don't be deceived that doing wrong things won't have a consequence as my dad always taught me you can make your own choices but you can't make your consequences you can decide to do a whole lot of crazy things in America but there's a military there's a police force there's your parent there's uh, pistol packing preachers you know that may stop you from doing that stuff okay so you can make your choices but not always your consequences So don't be deceived. Okay, what am I not supposed to be deceived about? People telling me I can do wrong things and go to heaven. Now let's see the wrong things he mentions here. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. Let's just stop right there. How many stand on that principle? We shouldn't be sexually immoral having more than one sex partner. Marriage is how we have sex. We don't have sex outside of marriage. That's immoral. How many would believe that? Okay, now idolaters, how many believe the Bible takes a pretty strong stand about not having idols in your life? The Bible's pretty clear about not having a Buddha in your house, right? Pretty clear about Hare Krishna and Bhagavad Gita and all the rest. Okay, here we go. And and how many believe adulterers are are, are doing wrong and they should understand they're not going to go to heaven living that way? How many believe that? How many want to stand on the principle that when you're married, somebody shouldn't sleep with your spouse or your spouse shouldn't cheat on you? How many want to stand on that principle? Okay, now watch this. Nor men who, read it Sunday school class, nor men who, boom, is it hard? Is it hard to understand that? It's really not. See, immigration, I had to go all over the place and talk about this and talk about that. Oh, let's understand this and understand. It's pretty simple. Don't be deceived. Wrongdoers won't inherit the kingdom of God. Here's some wrong stuff that people may deceive you over. Young ladies, a boyfriend may tell you, let's have sex. Won't hurt nobody. Don't have to tell anybody. Paul is saying, don't be deceived. You have sex outside of marriage. You're wrong. Somebody may be batting your, uh, men, some woman may be batting her eyes at you at work, telling you, let's have a rendezvous at the uh, Motel 8. Holiday Inn, saying there's nothing wrong with this, but don't be deceived. And, and, and there may be a girl who used to sing songs on a stage like this named Katy Perry that was brought up by Christian ministers 
who now makes a song that says, I kissed a girl and I liked it. And people may say, well, as long as her lipstick, it tastes like cherry lipstick, well, then I, I, there can't be nothing wrong with that. See, our culture wants to package sin in such a deceptive way that we, we almost want to make God guilty of breaking his own code. We, we almost want to just shake our fist at God and go, you're just a big old meanie. Why would you take away that fun that Katy Perry's having? Why, why would you tell Miley Cyrus that she has to stop? She won't stop. She doesn't want to stop. She can't stop. Now, why are you going to interrupt Miley Cyrus? Why are you going to interrupt this world that looks so great on the outside? Because we see sexually immoral people like Oprah Winfrey just, just becoming a billionaire as a woman and affirming women and teaching them how to be good mothers and wives, even though she's not a mother nor a wife. But, but we get deceived into thinking she knows something about what it is to be a mother or wife. And, and, then we, and, then, and then we make shows with these real cute actresses like Eva Longoria. Isn't she? She's just so cute. I just love her. I just love her little dress. I just love her. And she just happens to be in this show called The Desperate Housewives. Now, now do you see why Paul said don't be deceived? Deception is so deceiving because it is deceiving. If it wouldn't be believable, the devil wouldn't tell that lie. He doesn't want to tell you a lie you can't believe. He doesn't want to tell you something that's so redonkulous that you're just like, no way. He wants to do the old trick that people have learned in, in, in rat extermination. He wants to give you 90% of good things, 90% of truth, 90% of happiness, 90% of everything you've ever dreamed and wished for. Just with 10% of poison. And then he wants to say, come and get it. Just come and get it. Live with your girlfriend. Live with your boyfriend. Go ahead. Break the marriage vow. She didn't treat you right anyway. Go ahead. Sleep with the same sex as you would the opposite sex. Well, let's just keep going. Neither thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So what I love about Paul, and I think the church needs to do a better job to be like Paul, is just list it, homosexuality, with everything else, instead of trying to make it a huge issue. It's in the same category of swindling, drunkenness, greedy thief. Now, that may offend some people. They may say, well, I'm not a greedy person. I just like another man. Well, hey, I'm just telling you, sin is sin in God's eyes. And when he called it sin, he put it in a category with other sins, and he said, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived about your greed. Don't think withholding from God what he gives you and not giving back to him tithes and offerings. Don't be deceived by that. Don't be deceived by alcohol and parties in the Jersey Shore or the real housewives of whatever county in Beverly Hills, how they have to always abuse alcohol to be social. Don't be deceived by slanderers who always have to tell you about somebody else and they just have to tell you, just have to tell. Don't be deceived by that. Don't be deceived by thieves. Don't be deceived by any of these things. Because don't you know, wrongdoers don't inherit the kingdom of God. Now, here is the good part. Somebody say the good part. 
Look at verse 11. Thank you. And that is what some of you were. Some of you were this way. Paul is talking to these people in Corinth just like we would talk to this congregation today because I know a lot of your testimonies here. You didn't come into church perfect. You didn't come into church singing hymns. You came into church as a sinner, and God saved you and delivered you. That's what you were, baby. You've been born again. Hallelujah. That's our testimony. I was a sexually immoral person. I was a high school dropout. I was almost everything on this list except for sleeping with other men, okay? I mean, I was it all, but hallelujah, Jesus changed me. That is what some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. That means you were separated from your sin. Sanctified means you're separated from sin. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. The word justified means justified, never sinned. It means you're justified before God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of a spirit of our God. So if somebody says to me, I was born this way, I could say the same thing back to them. I was born to love more than one woman. I was born to try to take stuff that didn't belong to me. You don't believe me? Ask my mother. The first time I ever gave somebody a bloody nose, guess who it was? My little friend Sonia. At the end of my block, I was five years old. You know those little paddle things you have, and they have a little ball, and you paddle? She took it from me. And I just took it back, and then I started taking her stuff. And then she took it back one more time, and I popped her right in her face. Her nose started bleeding. My mom came to get me, took that paddle with the little ball on it, and whooped my butt down the street until the paddle broke. Before, amen for moms that whoop on their kids for punching girls. Pastor, you needed Jesus. Yeah, and you need him too. Well, I don't need them that bad. Well, that's pride. I think you may need them worse. Hello. Think about this. Before I even knew what my personality was, I was already punching and stealing. I was acting out a certain way. Later on in my life, I began to lust and be angry, and so many here can relate to this. Let's be honest. We could all say in some way or another, I was born this way. And God, that's not fair for you to call it wrong. It just comes natural for me to talk to my girlfriend all night long about what so-and-so did. It just comes so natural. I feel so good after I get it off my chest. There are people who are like that. Gossiping is like their second language. It just comes natural. And they actually feel relieved after they do it. It's like they went potty. It's like, oh, I feel so much better now. Now that I've just gotten it out, oh, my gosh. Because they just have a potty mouth, and they just got to get it out. And that's where you got to look at gossipers and, and people who are like that, slanders. And you got to say, do I look like a toilet? Do I look like a garbage can? Stop with the potty mouth. Stop with the poo-poo. I don't want it. Now, you may say to yourself, this is a hard thing to hear. And that may be true because... This may be against the flow that you're hearing in our culture today. But I want to tell you that God is more powerful than our culture. I want to say that God loves you and wants to change you and to make you like him. 
Now let's look at three biblical reasons, and then we're going to watch a funny video. Is everybody ready for a funny video? Okay, let's look at this. Let me just lay it out real quick. Here's the three biblical reasons it's found in our notes. Number one, the Old Testament calls it a sin. Number two, the New Testament reaffirms that anything outside of sex with man and woman in marriage is considered pornea, which is sexual immorality. We talked about that. And also the New Testament refers back to Sodom and Gomorrah being, being judged because of homosexuality, refers back to it and says it's a warning for us, Jude 1.7. As a matter of fact, let's just turn to Jude 1.7 quickly. Quickly, turn with me to Jude 1.7. Does anybody know who Jude was? Hey, Jude. Does anybody know who that was? Who was Jude in the biblical sense? A half-brother of Jesus. Jesus had siblings. His half-brother was Jude. Who was his other half-brother? James. The book of James and Jude are written by the half-brothers of Jesus. That means after he was born of a virgin, Mary and Joseph got it on and had some more kids. Okay? That's what happened. We do not believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary. We believe in, in her being fulfilled as a woman. Okay, we believe in her perpetual fulfillment, okay? So she was, she was taken care of. <laughs> oh, it's one of those days. I'm like, I'm already here, so I'll just jump off, you know. We've, less, we've left the train of um, conservatism in the pulpit a long time ago. Okay, so let's keep it real. Somebody say keep it real. Okay, uh, Jude 1, 7. So we're conservative in our, in, in, our, in our biblical stance, right, but in style, fashion. A little, little bit swagged out here. Come on. Now look at Jude 1.7. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah, and we all know what happened there, homosexuality. You all know the story. It, it is just as you've heard. It's pretty simple. And the surrounding areas who gave themselves up to sexual, uh, excuse me, it says um, surrounding towns, gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of, okay, so if Jesus' brother is telling you that's pretty much the way it's going to be, that's pretty much the way it's going to be. It's not like, hey, Jude, did you misunderstand your brother? Did you not understand what he was trying to do? He was trying to love everybody, right? Wasn't your brother Jesus just like a big old Barney saying, I love you, you love me, we're a big happy family, and a hug and a kiss and all that? No, no, Jude is telling us this is what Jesus taught. This is the gospel of Jesus. This is the morality of Jesus. And when you look back at the Old Testament, there's a severe uh, punishment to a city and some towns who really got down and dirty with it. And God said, I've had enough. And I want to tell you this. The places at Mardi Gras, the latest at night, that are the most dirtiest are those homosexual bars. And some of the things that I've seen in, in the regards of uh, public lewdness are too graphic and gross to even describe here. As a matter of fact, there was one pastor who went to Bourbon Street for a series of nights and just videotaped it and sent it to the city council and said, do you understand what is happening in this area at night? Do you know what's going on here at 3 o'clock in the morning on Bourbon Street at the far side where the gay bars are? Do you know? And the city council did nothing. They said, this is how we want our city to be run. We don't have a problem with open sexuality, open expression of nude. I mean, just right there. And I can only imagine, because I've seen that, what would a whole city look like if it lived like that? To the point where new men come to town, almost like in prison, new, new meat comes, and they want to gang rape them. That's the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. They wanted to gang rape the angels that God sent there to investigate the situation. 
And then God said, this place has been given over to depravity. I'm going to judge it with hell fire. And now in the New Testament, after the loving Savior, Jesus Christ, died for all of our sins, who said the children belong in the kingdom, who told us that he loved the world, that same Jesus, the brother of him, told us that that example is for us. Okay? So going back to the notes, we look at the Old Testament, it's clear. The New Testament, it's even made more clear. And then lastly, in the life of Jesus, point number three, we see that principle of pornea in the Greek, anything outside of marriage is considered uh, uh, immoral. And there are many scriptures to, to point that out. And so now just scroll down to this, um, this chart, and I just want to show this to you. This is why, because I'm going to play this funny video by Jack Black, and it's okay. Do Christians still have a sense of humor? Okay, because some of you are going to be like, you're going to want to laugh. It's okay. Just let it out. He is silly in this video. I know I've laughed, but he's absolutely wrong. But we'll look at it here. But the, the whole point is, is that people don't understand as Christians how we get our doctrines. Like, why is it it says in the Old Testament to stone rebellious kids, don't eat pork and don't eat shellfish, but we, uh, we, we don't follow those things, but we'll say homosexuality is a sin. It's because he doesn't understand this. I've already done a whole message on Jewish laws. I, uh, last week I even talked about this as well. Okay, so we've gotten into this. This is the chart. Take a look at it. And are we ready for the video now? Is everybody ready to giggle a little bit? Yeah, just kind of scroll down. and There it is. They're happy. Yeah, you guys are going to love this. Only in this church would you watch this video. Because we ain't scared. Because you may be thinking this right now. This may be your thoughts. Go and put it up a little bit, please. It's a brand new, bright Obama day. What a time to be black a girl or gay. No, nothing could go wrong. So join us in this song of happy days for the gays. Nothing can go wrong. Look, nobody's watching. It's time to spread some hate and put it in the Constitution. Now, how? Proposition 8. Proposition 8. Great. People listen to our plea. They'll teach kids about sodomy. Sodomy. says a lot of things, you know? Jesus Christ! Hey, how's it going? Jesus, doesn't the Bible say these people are an abomination? Abomination? Yeah, but you know, it says the exact same thing about this shrimp cocktail. Mm, shrimp, shrimp cocktail? cocktail. Leviticus says shellfish is an abomination. Abomination? What else does the Bible say, Jesus? <laughs> the Bible says a lot of interesting things. Like you can stone your wife or sell your daughter into slavery. Well, we ignore those verses. Well, then, friend, it seems to me you pick and choose. We pick and choose. Well, please choose love instead of hate. Besides, your nation was built on separation of church and state. See you later, sinners. Bye, Bye. Bye. Jesus. Bye. 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 You know, here's another thought to wrap things up. Oh, every time a gay or lesbian finds love at the parade, 
There's money to be made. He's right. It's time to groom, say, paint that wedding hall. And lavender's the shade. There's money to be made. That's a point. Think of all the carriages and four white horses. There's millions lost from all your disapproving. Well, that's not good. Think of all the lawyers for the gay divorces. Think of the tattoo removing. We, we get it now. now. We've, We've been, been such fools. I can see America's calling me. Yes, gay marriages will save the economy. All right, so give it up for them being silly. <laughs> like two claps, okay? So the whole idea that they're trying to promote there is why don't we take certain parts of the Old Testament, as I look at 1146, I'm trying, why do, they, why do we as Christians ignore these other parts? Well, this chart that I have that I went over in depth last week, which I don't want to do today, um, you've you got to go up there, this explains it. When you read something in the Old Testament, you then have to read that surrounding chapter, the book, the books by that same author, the rest of the Old Testament, and then see lastly, what did Jesus and the apostles say? So take, for example, just something as simple as that dietary law when he had the shrimp cocktail. Jesus said that dietary laws are no longer valid because it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what's come out of his heart that makes him unclean. That's why we got some lechon, some pork products back there. Amen. Okay? Now, when you then look at sexual laws and you go to the places those are found, those are found in serious moral categories. The same place where it says homosexual sex is an abomination, it also says sex with your children is an abomination. It also says in that same chapter that sex with animals is an abomination. So when he just wants to throw it all out and say, hey, you pick and choose, there, there isn't a way out of this. Either we're going to take all of it, none of it, or we're going to harmonize with what is there. And so if you throw it all out and say God doesn't care about homosexuality, then you have to say God doesn't care with people having sex with animals or with their own children. But then if you say God does care about those things, well, then how do you know he doesn't care about the diet and those other things? There has to come a harmonization. So Jack Black needs to sit in a church like this and understand the principles that we have laid out and that Christians, by the way, have believed for years. So, for example, two, three hundred years ago, just in America, we weren't stoning our children. We weren't having sex with dogs and animals, and we didn't believe in homosexuality. Why? Because we understood how to use the Old Testament as a formation of morality for the New Testament. So now that homosexuality has become popular, people want us to change the way we interpret the Bible, and we can't. It's the truth, and we're going to keep interpreting that way. Now in closing, I want to give you three non-biblical reasons. Some people say, well, Pastor, all you have is the Bible. Here are three things I want you to consider. Number one, cannot reproduce. All life has a desire to reproduce because God inherently made it to do so. Be fruitful and multiply. Therefore, when gay couples want to have children, they have to go to an adoptive agency to do so or to have uh, you know, someone carry their children. So they cannot reproduce on their own. That should show that it's not natural. So for those who are all about Darwin and science, the bottom line is if we were all gay, the human culture and civilization as we know would not survive. So 
it's a part of our natural reproduction and our sexuality, rather. Our sexuality is a part of our natural reproduction. Okay, now number two is did you know that homosexual lifestyles, both gay and lesbian, are unhealthy and comparative to heterosexual lifestyles? Gay men have a higher percentage of STDs, AIDS, sex partners, and abuse than heterosexual men. And lesbians, who might think that's cute, like two girls together, lesbians have a higher percentage of domestic violence in their own relationships as opposed to them being in a heterosexual relationship. I have the source there if you want to check it out. Of course, uh, some people don't agree with those sources, but I believe that they are legitimate. Number three, harmful for children. You say, Pastor, that's unfair. They can love people. But ask yourself this. What parent should a child do without? If you have two moms and two dads, you're already saying to a child, you don't need one or the other. See, which parent do you think I should have done without, my dad or my mom? Nature says we need both, a dad and a mom. That's why they make children. So if you don't have the ability to make children, in my opinion, you shouldn't have the children because then you're already setting them up to fail by not giving them a solid family. A family is not whatever we define it to be. A family is what procreates humans. H how do humans have to get together to make families, male and female? How should they then raise their families, male and female? Now you may say that's just your opinion. Oh, I got some statistics for that as well. Children that are raised by lesbian mothers are 10 times more likely to have been touched sexually by a parent or another caregiver. That is 23% of them said I've been touched as opposed to 2% of those with married biological parents. We know this epidemic right now of single mothers, what it's like not to have fathers in the home. This same kind of epidemic right now is following both gay and lesbian couples where the children are suffering from not having the dynamic of a mother and a father. The best place for children to be raised statistically, even right now, is to have a mother and a father. They complement each other, and they offer the best well-rounded home for the child. Those who are raised by a homosexual father were three times more likely, 6% compared to 2% of being sexually abused. And then they asked them, how many of you have been raped or been forcibly ha made to have sex even after your childhood, 8% of children only for people in married couple relationships, husband and wife, but 31% of lesbian children that came from lesbians and 25% who came from homosexuals. So what does this say? The sexuality of a child and their well-being is affected by not having a mother and a father. I have the resources here. And as a matter of fact, one of the men who did it in a secular university, you can see it under the Family Research Council, the gay community got so upset with him that they tried to get him fired from his university by discrediting the work he did in the gay and lesbian community. But yet when they took his, sur his surveys and his statistical work and brought it to unbiased um, uh, oversight, his work was still proven to be true. This is a general picture of the families right now. This is what it looks like. This is why it matters to me. Not only does it hurt the person involved in the relationship, not only does it in one sense damn their soul to hell, but it also affects our children. That's how serious it is to me. Now in closing, I just wanna give you some resources and to help you 
to deal with this in our churches here, to go through this rather. Just look at the resources I'm giving you right here. Number one, I'm offering you some books. Can you be gay and Christian? And any of these resources that you can't afford, the church will help you to get them. Can you be gay and Christian by Dr. Michael Brown, The Same Sex Controversy, Dr. James White, A Queer Thing Happened to America by Dr. Brown, an online ministry, two places online. If you're struggling with same-sex attraction, there's two great places where you can ask questions and even call up and, and find other mentors that have dealt with the same thing. Informational uh, YouTube videos, NARTH, which is a Christian resource for uh, the the therapy industry because now they're being told in some states like California that they cannot even counsel children to deny same-sex attraction, that they're actually supposed to encourage them. So NARTH is doctors and PhDs that are helping Christians counsel. And here's the bottom line. There is no scientific evidence, even the other side admits, that someone could be born gay. You may have propensities in your personality. You may have things that happened what, in your birth you don't know about, social um, uh, adaptations to how you were raised. But the bottom line is there is no chemical, biological evidence that someone has been born gay. And that's not just our opinion. That is across the board. They're still researching for that. Then number seven, the Family Research Council. That's the one, by the way, that someone came in with Chick-fil-A's, tried to blow it up or shoot them. Was it a gun or a bomb they went into there? It was a gun. Then we have uh, some powerful sermons on homosexuality by other authors, I mean by other preachers who go much more in depth than I had the time to do here. There's actually a documentary uh, called Such, uh, Such Were Some of You, an entire documentary about Christians that apply that passage of 1 Corinthians to their life. They say, I might have, you know, grew up this way, felt this way, but Jesus has changed me, has watched me, and it tells their stories. And then lastly, I have a short clip of, if you're a parent, uh, some YouTube videos, if you're a parent, if you want to have resources of how to talk to your children. Let me give you three things to do to uh, live holy for Jesus. If you've ever struggled with same-sex attraction, it's right above the resources. Number one, be born again. Pastor, I was born this way. Okay, let's get you born again in Jesus' name. Amen. Rachel, would you come, please? Number two, be a disciple of Jesus. Let me just say this. If I had a uh, person come from uh, Texas and start coming to this church, let's say they moved to Chicago for their job, when you would talk to them, would you still tell that they were from Texas? See, this is the thing in the church that we need to ease back on. Sometimes when we're ministering to homosexuals, we still hear them talk like a homosexual or, or lesbians have mannerisms, more masculine. We need to understand that those things are a part of how they have been raised or conditioned or have thought they needed to be. So we in the church need to affirm that if they've confessed Christ, they're no different than you or I working through their identity. So we shouldn't be putting down effeminate men, masculine women, or anybody in between. We should be teaching all people, come to Christ and let him change you. Because some of you still don't talk like you should. Some of you still don't act like you should, even though you've been washed. There are some men here that are sexually immoral with pornography, and you want to beat up on the homosexual or lesbian and say, they're going to hell. But my, my friend, don't you be deceived. Neither the sexual immoral nor the adulterers are going in either. Okay? So let's do that. Let's be disciples. And then number three, live holy. Let's all stand on those principles. Let's, let's not make excuses. If the Bible says it, I believe it. I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean stand up right now. Let's all stand on the principles uh, figuratively. Let me go to the Facebook questions. Can we give Jesus a hand clap? Not me, but Jesus, come on. I did my best. It was definitely hot up here. I want to look at some of the questions that you asked. I'll do my best to answer them. I hope that you've learned something. How many learned something? Okay, amen. How many were encouraged? Amen. 
And our heart for the homeless, and by the way, I didn't have time to get into this. Now I was even going to actually have some people from our church testify who have had same-sex attraction, who have lived as lesbians, homosexuals, bisexual. I was going to have some of them testify today. But I said, you know what? I'm not going to have enough time to have them tell their story right. So I want to ask that if you really want to get to know them and get to meet them, go to a life group. Start to hang out. And if that's kind of what you're dealing with or you want people to, uh, to talk to you about their experiences, we got people in the church that will do that with you. And I think that life group setting will be a lot better because you guys can sit down and you can hear their whole story and you can hear, you know, how it was for them. Let me just say this as I'm getting to the questions. I never asked to look at pornography. I never asked to become addicted to pornography. One of my friends brought it over and showed it to me. And before you knew it, I was violated, but yet I was hooked. I never asked to smoke cigarettes, but yet somebody brought cigarettes over and influenced me. You'll be surprised when you look back on your life how things have gotten to be there the way they are. You know, when you get upset, why is it you say the F word instead of, oh, snickerdoodles? Because you've been culturally conditioned to say the F word when you get mad, and snickerdoodles is silly if you've ever even said snickerdoodles. Just go ahead and say it right now, oh, snickerdoodles. There's your new F-bomb right there, snickerdoodles, okay? Snickerdoodles. But see, once again, I could keep you here all day with these conditions of our culture. Let's get to the question. So what happens if a man that becomes a woman went through surgery gets saved? Brooklyn Tabernacle in uh, New York Brooklyn Tabernacle Church has stories of those who have undergone sex changes who reversed the sex change and have come to live as their gender God made them to be and are great Christians serving the Lord. So what would I say to someone, and I'm trying to go through this quick, someone who had a sex change, get the sex change back. Because you know what most people don't understand? Those that go through sex changes have to take hormones the rest of their life. It is not a fun process, even for them. I've seen many stories of how it has not been what they thought it would be. Here's another question I'm trying to um, read through. Jared, go to the page and see if you can simplify this question. That's the number two question, because that is a big one. Number three question, when Paul says that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God, does that mean they won't go into heaven until they repent? That is correct. If in Galatians chapter 5 says the same thing, if you continue in your sin, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So I want everybody to understand how the Christian lifestyle goes. You come to Jesus as a sinner. Now, it doesn't matter what sin was your flavor. It could be pride. It could be self-righteousness. It could be immorality. I guarantee you there's going to be some sins you had been sinning. Now, as a Christian, you must say to Christ, I will not do those things. And by surrendering your will to him, he will begin to change your heart. I believe that he changes your desires. How many have had that happen? I haven't done drugs in over 20 years. Jesus changed my heart. Not 12 steps, one step to Jesus. So anybody wants to tell me it doesn't work like that, you're a liar and your pants are on fire because I'm the proof. Okay? You can argue all day long. Well, it didn't work like that for me. You didn't come to the Jesus I came to then, baby. Well, I tried that. You didn't try what I tried. Well, I didn't feel it like you did. You didn't feel the Holy Spirit then. Okay? Because let me tell you something, I'll put you right now in the front of a hurricane down south and have you sit in front of that thing for a little bit and have you come back and I'll ask you, did you feel something? If you get into the real deal, you will feel something, baby. You meet the wind and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will feel it. You will not come out the same way you came. 
So I'm going to just be real honest with you. People who played that, I have compassion for you. I know sometimes you may not understand praying and those things, but I'm just trying to tell you, prayer ain't broke. God ain't broke. It's, it's whatever you're doing is the issue. We're going to help you tap into the power of heaven. The main line of Jesus is still wide open. And how would you, brother, would you come? Let's give it up for Pastor Jared. He's going to help me. Band, would you come as well? Would you just summarize the question? If I could summarize it, our friend here is uh, quoting the King James translation of 1 Corinthians 6, 9, where instead of homosexual or men who have sex with men, it says those who are effeminate and abusers of themselves with mankind, goes on to say how gay and homosexual are much later words and how newer translations of the Bible perhaps inserted that, or uh, how would you respond? Okay, so obviously the words that we're using in English aren't the original Greek, which is the New Testament, nor the original Hebrew, where this concept first was talked about. When the New Testament describes this, it uses words that we now would use, like homosexual, and I do believe these more modern translations are accurate to how we would talk. But for my friend, if you want to understand exactly clearly what this is referring to, go to Romans chapter 1. And it says that men have unnatural sexual relationships with men, and women do the same. There is no confusion. Some people have said over the years that um, the kind of homosexuality the Bible's against is gang rape homosexuality. And that's what Sodom was doing, was just gang raping. No, the Bible says you shall not lie with a man as you do with a man, a woman. So it's very serious. So some people then go on to say, well, if I'm married and I'm in a monogamous same-sex relationship and I was born this way, then I fall into another category because I still love God and I'm going to be monogamous. You're still breaking the law of God. God said men and women is what defines the husband and wife, not just by two men saying, well, I'll be the woman and I'll be the wife, term wife, and I'll be the husband. He affirmed husband and wife as being male and female. In the Genesis account, he created them male and female. My friends, we want to tell you as Christians, we have studied this. He's getting his master's degree. I'm going to get my Ph.D. All of us here have can tell you, don't be deceived. There are debates I put online. Listen to the debates. If you don't believe me, I put two debates up there. Listen to the best arguments that our culture comes up with to try to say that we as Christians have misunderstood this for 2,000 years. And you will literally look at it as being a rope of sand. There is nothing to hold on to. The moment they, and by the way, if you can find a gay affirming pastor in our church, ding, 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 we'll bring them right up here, all expense trip paid debate, and I'll debate them in front of you, amen. Not because I have to, but because I want to, as we've debated Muslims and other people. So if there's ever this kind of thing in your mind, it's like, well, there's two sides of it. No, there's not. And we want to show that to you over and over and over again, okay? We're an honest church here. Well, we would tell you if it was, you know, like, remember I talked about immigration? And I was like, well, there, there's, there's some sides to the story that they're both right. You remember I was kind of, you know, sweating a lot during that? Not so with homosexuality. It is as black and white as morality gets in the Bible. Whether Katy Perry likes that, whether anybody likes that, that's what we have to stand on. How many want to stand on God's word? Amen. Now would you stand up? Let's bless the Lord. Come on, somebody. Jesus, we love you so much today. Would you just pray with us? God, we love you because you first loved us, and we believe today that you love everybody. You love the whole world. Even though this was a hot topic, even though it may be hard for this culture to understand, but God, it's not hard from your perspective.
You love the world, even though the world does wrong. And Lord, when you talk about wrong, you put it all together. You remind us of the first sin that Adam and Eve committed was simply not obeying to eat from a certain tree. So many would say that's so trivial, but yet for you, God, that was an indication of their heart to whether or not they would be obedient or whether they would be rebellious. It was a simple test of their heart. And Lord, I know you're testing our hearts again today. Will we trust you with our sexuality? Or will we do just what feels good or the culture wants us to do? Everyone with their eyes closed right now, head bowed. Would you just look in your heart? Let's not point fingers at the LGBT community. Let's all look at our heart. Is your sexuality lined up with God's word? Because if it's not, you need to ask for forgiveness today. God wants to change you. Altar workers, would you come, please? Just right now, search your heart. Some people have asked me, Pastor, why do you think this generation is so much more accepting of the homosexual lifestyle than before? Can I tell you why? It was because the sexual revolution changed our ideas of pornography. Hugh Hefner came out of that. We, we changed our ideas of marriage. That's where you see so many people now living together. Almost now more children are born with parents that are not married than are married. And you see what happened is that community changed first. And by the way, the homosexual community is only about 2 to 5%. So only about two to five out of a hundred have same-sex attraction. If you were to look at TVs or movies, you would think it was at least 20, 30, 40% of our population. Because in media and on TV, it's so heavily inundated. But really, it's only about two to five percent. But why did the two to five percent of the homosexual movement begin to get accepted as that lifestyle? Is because the majority of our culture, 60, 70 percent began to give way to sexual immorality. And now it's like, hey, I'm not going to judge you. Don't you judge me. Hey, who, whoever you want to love is okay because I'm cheating on your, my, my wife. Oh, yeah, you, 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 you're in love with a girl. That's fine, young lady. That's fine because you know what? I'm looking at porn every day. I'm not going to judge you. You don't judge me. So where did it all come from? Brokenness sexually. Come on, 30 more seconds. Head bowed, eye closed. How is your sexuality right now? Are you pure? Are you living holy? Because this is what God says, sex outside of marriage is sin. Sex with yourself is sin. Lusting in your heart, having sexual fantasies is sin. Sex with oral and touching and nudity is sin. And of course, same sex is sin. Multiple partner sex is sin, which is getting popular now. Sex parties, orgies, polyamory. Ask yourself right now, is my sexuality pure? Or do I need to be washed? Do I need to be sanctified? If right now you need to be washed and cleansed in your sexuality, would you just raise your hand right now? Come on, no one's going to pull you out. No one's going to embarrass you. I'm just asking you between you and God. If that's you right now, just raise your hand and just begin to say, Jesus, wash me. I ask for your forgiveness. If it's a man confessing pornography, do it right now. Just hands raised. You're surrendering to God. If it's a young lady going too far with your boyfriend, confess to Jesus. If you've acted out on same-sex attraction, 
ask Jesus right now to forgive you. All I can do as a pastor is ask you to pray and make it right. I'm going to let this altar call go for a few more moments because I know some right now are hesitating. You're afraid that your neighbor's going to know your hands up. You're afraid that someone's going to look at you. Don't do that. Don't be ashamed. Just raise your hand and say, Jesus, change me. Jesus, set me free. God, I pray all throughout this room right now that sexual lives are cleansed. You made sex to be beautiful. You made it to be holy. You made it to be set apart, different. And Lord, I pray that everyone here does it your way. Now can we all raise our hands to heaven and just pray a simple prayer. Just say this with me, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins, for the things that I've done wrong. I ask you now to forgive me, to cleanse my heart, and for the rest of my life, for me to honor you in all that I do, in my love life, on my job, with my family, with my neighbors, in my church, from morning to night, may my life glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. In the name that's above